Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. In any case, I'm recording this now. Welcome to uh, the lecture. And what I like to do with our lectures for chapter one and any other chapter is just kind of go over uh, a recap. And what I mean by recap is we kind of got into the chapter on Monday. And I like to briefly kind of hit the high points of what we talked about again. And there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, number one, and primarily, is the more you're exposed to information, the more it kind of sinks into your psyche. And so, um, just a quick story about my college experience. When I was an undergrad seeking a bachelor's degree, uh, my primary motivation was to finish. And I knew that degree would translate to me being able to make, make some money or get a job, make more money. And so that was my primary motivation for seeking a degree. However, um, I quickly recognized right after I finished that I had learned a lot. Uh, I didn't. I didn't plan to learn a lot. It was that wasn't even my focus. My focus was finish, not not necessarily learn. Uh, but I realized, hey, I actually got a lot out of these programs that I was in, and, and I actually uh, had learned quite a bit. But it was still just scratching the surface of what there was to know because I didn't have a ton of practical experience. I just had the things I had learned in the classroom and some some experience, and so. Um, that is to share that with you is that my hope is that you'll learn as we go throughout the semester and retain some of this stuff so you can use it throughout your life and career. And so chapter one talks about managing and performing. Um, I've already talked about a little bit of background information. Our goals for the chapter once again, what do managers do to help organizations achieve top performance? What are the roles that managers play in organizations and what are the characteristics that effective managers display? And so... We talked about uh, these core management roles. Anybody remember what those core management roles were? Maybe a little bit. Talked about hats they wear. How about informational, interpersonal, and decisional? So what were informational, interpersonal, and decisional? What does that mean? You can just tell, if you got an idea, tell me kind of what each one of those is about. Repeat. Yep, making choices, right? So decisional is at some point you gotta you gotta do something. You gotta make you know you gotta make something happen. I was thinking you know you, you there's these uh, uh, moments that you have like something that just pops in your brain. You know like uh, just I'll be laying in bed sometimes just be thinking and a, a thought will pop in my head, and I was thinking you know you can have all these great ideas but without action doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great your idea is. you got to put something behind it. you got to make a decision and do and actually move. And we'll talk about the management process later throughout the course where you have a systematic approach to making decisions and then evaluating those decisions. So if decisional is about making choices, what do you think informational is about? Informational. Yeah, being able to take in and critically think about information and disseminate that information. I know you hear that word critical thinking a lot. What does that mean, critical thinking? What do you think that means? 
What's that? Deep intellectual thinking. Deep intellectual thinking. Um, basic definition of critical thinking is the ability to process information into new information. So like when somebody is communicating with you, how you synthesize that in your own mind and create or derive meaning from that is, is an important thing to be able to do. So if, if I have a meeting with my boss and the boss says, I need for you to do these things and they go over several things that need to be done and they describe how they want them done. Uh, and then I bring back a result that is different from what their intended uh, direction was. I either something happened, there was a communication breakdown or my interpretation of what that person told me was incorrect. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that communication can break down or information can break down. There's a movie I like to watch called uh, This is Spinal Tap, and the band wants a Stonehenge monument built. And in the movie, they write down the directions of how they want it to build, but they wrote down inches instead of feet. They wanted 12 feet tall structure, but it, they wrote it down as inches. And so when they give the instructions to the builder, they come back with this little model of Stonehenge instead of it being a 12-foot model for the stage. And that funny example just shows you how important it is to be able to take in information, critically think about it, and then uh, repeat that information or create an output. So we talk about food a lot in this class. I know we just talked about it already. I'm talking about some more. But at some point, probably in the next decade, in my opinion, um, cashiers and people that take orders at fast food restaurants, those people are going to go away. So... Like right now at Starbucks, it kind of is inconvenient to pull up and scream at the, the little microphone what I want, you know, because the cars are loud, the traffic's loud, people in my car are loud. And so me having to try to communicate precisely what I want, especially for something like Starbucks where it's complicated, right? Sometimes some drinks have seven or eight different variations of how I want that, right? And so, like, the other day we went to Starbucks. I'm not a huge – I like Starbucks. I'm not a huge fan simply because I don't drink a lot of coffee, and uh, it's expensive, you know. But I do – when I do get Starbucks, I like it. In fact, in PSL's back, pumpkin spice lattes, mm -hmm. does anybody like those? You should, have you ever tried one, PSL? You ever tried one? Mm -hmm. You should try it sometime. It, ta it really is like drinking fall. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, it tastes like – like, I don't know, like cinnamon, nutmeg, pumpkin-y, really good, like, fall flavor. And so I might have to get one on the way home. I think I might. Do they? I wonder if they make those iced. I think they do. Yeah. I might have to get an iced PSL, you know. So might do that, and I'll let you know for, tomorrow if I get one. So that sounds good to me. But, yeah, just communicating to somebody about what goes into a drink that's very complicated, and there's a lot of ways that can be misconstrued or miscommunicated. The, uh, the receiver of that information could not hear something clearly. Like, I've had all kinds of orders screwed up, you know, that it's so frustrating because unless you check everything in your bag before you leave, chances are it's going to be not correct. And so, like, being able to order on an app or order on a touchscreen and then have it, you know, produced, and then all you have to do is pick it up. You don't really have to interact with a human that much. That takes steps out of that process. It removes barriers to getting the consumer to that end product. And so information 
is uh, an important part, but the main takeaway is it needs to be clear, concise, and understood. Uh, when we communicate with each other, a good way to, a good habit managers get into, this is a management class, is repeating information. So um, a quick scenario, let's say an associate employee comes, talks to you, and they say, you know, manager, I'm having this problem. Susie is showing up late in my department, is creating tension with the other workers. Um, she's saying she's having home troubles. I don't know what that is. Uh, and so I need somebody to help me manage this problem, you know. So as a manager, I hear that, and my response to her would be, or him to be, would be, so you're saying what you need is for me to help you address the issue you're having with Susie with being late and absent due to her home issues, right? And so I'm repeating that back to that person, which indicates that I have received and understood that information. Uh, any military or military family people in here? No? It's okay. Um, I'm not military either. Tons of love and respect for the military. If you're listening and you're a service member, thank you for your service. The military has a really good routine that they, that they do with this. You've probably seen it in the movies where they'll be talking on the radio and they'll say, 54321, copy. And then the other end, they'll say, 54321, copy. You know, so... That's, a, that's letting them know that that message has been received and that they have uh, understood it. So, so we've got decisional, making decisions. We've got informational, sharing information. What is interpersonal? Inter interpersonal. That means basically being able to connect and work with individuals and people, right? Because that's a major part of management, is being able to work with other individuals. Um, one of the things I talk about in my classes is communication skills. We're going to work on that all semester. Uh, but a major component of management is being able to have uh, good quality interpersonal interactions. Like, let's say that I want to talk to John, and instead of like, like talking like we're supposed to do this, I just kind of kind of stand like this and talk to him like this. John, I need you to do this, do that, do that, and then walk away. Don't ever look at John, right? Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but after a while, it could feel weird. It's like this person just shows up. They don't ever look at me. They just give me bark orders at me. They never, you know, give me anything. But here's a different take on that. Hey, John, how you doing today? So start going to dialogue. How was your weekend? You know, how's, how's your family doing? Would you watch anything good on TV lately? Any sporting events coming up that you're interested in? So we have a quick, I don't know, one, two-minute dialogue about other things. And what that does is it builds rapport. So managing interpersonal relationships is not all about business. But the magic of that is managing the business or managing the organization uh, is getting done through that type of interpersonal dialogue. Because if I make John feel better about his day, about what he's doing, if he feels like I support him as a manager and I believe in him as an individual, guess what? John's going to have less absenteeism. He's going to leave um, the job less often, meaning he's going to quit. He's going to um, be less tardy. He's going to increase his productivity. He's going to do more because he likes the organization. He wants to stick with them because he, you know, they're, they're good to him. And so all these positive benefits come from interpersonal communication. And so you want to get to know people on a personal level without prying. Now there's a fine line 
Well, I don't even know if it's a fine line. There just is a line between asking uh, generic uh, get-to-know-you questions versus, so tell me what's going on with your relationships. You know, that's, no. You know, or, you know, getting in, so tell me about your medical, what's going on with your medical situation. You're like, no. Don't talk about those things, right? Those things are sacred and taboo and private. So you don't want to, or tell me about your religion. You know, let's talk about religion. No. Tell me about your politics. No. You don't want to get into those types of topics that can create uh, anxiety or put the person on the defensive, make them feel like, ugh, this person, like, I, real question. Um, I was on the job one time. I used to work for Toyota. I was in sales. One of the sales managers asked me, so what church do you go to? And, I mean, what if I said church of, you know, whatever, you know, doesn't matter what I say, like, you know, if it's not that particular brand of religion that they, they are interested in, right there, it might create some animosity, you know, it's like, oh, so you don't go to this church, so, you know, I mean, so that, you know, that, that like, you know, it's nobody's business, you know, what church somebody goes to, or what religion they have, or what their politics is, um, what is the business is, getting to know people as individuals and having that good, honest, open dialogue, trust building. And those little things that we do actually make it easier and better to manage people because um, they feel like they can trust you. I've worked here for six years and over that time, we've all got to know each other very well. But I mean, we, we still don't get into each other's total business. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I know about my colleagues' children and, and what things they're involved in and uh, some other things, but I just don't get too, too deep because some things are personal. You know, people have their own personal lives away from work, and so we need to respect boundaries uh, when we talk to people and interact with people. Same thing with our relationship. I mean, I'm an instructor, you're a student. I want to know those things like what's your favorite food, what kind of books and movies and TV shows you like, but um, that's just me getting to know you and what you're interested in. But I'm not going to pry into your personal lives. That's not, that's not my business. So there is an art and a science when it comes to dealing with these different types of roles as a manager. And so moving forward, we remember this is kind of where we left off on Monday, talking about these different roles or hats that managers wear. And so we said under informational, we have a monitor, disseminator, and spokesperson. Monitors uh, are people that... Uh, look out for information, they, they gather intel, and then they disseminate it to people within the organization. Uh, under interpersonal, a figurehead leader and liaison. Figurehead is somebody that is a marquee individual for the organization, but may not represent uh, every aspect of the organization, but somebody that that organization uh, looks to. Um, remember what I said about leadership, you don't have to wait to be chosen to be a leader. There's a great book one of my favorite business slash motivation authors is a guy named uh, Seth Godin. Has anybody ever heard of Seth Godin? G-O-D-I-N. Write that down because it's an important, he's an important guy. Uh, Seth Godin. Been reading him for probably over 10 years now, maybe 15. He writes a blog. If you'll Google the word Seth, his blog is number one. He's optimized it to do that. But um, anyway... He has a book called, he's got several. One of them's called What to Do When It's Your Turn. And basically in that book he talks about don't wait for somebody to choose you or validate you to do great things. You go out and do them yourself. Don't wait for somebody to say it's okay to do this. So like when it comes to leadership, you don't have to say, okay, you're the leader. You're the leader. Go. 
You choose to be the leader of your own life and destiny. And when you flip that mentality and flip that switch, great things happen. Because a lot of people wait for validation. I need to have the right title, the right position, right? Or the, the right uh, validation from somebody else to let me know that I can do this. Uh, but leaders go out and make things happen. They create things. Uh, and so that's an important part of management. There is a distinction between management and leadership. What do you think the difference is? So um, I actually took a, several classes on leadership in college. Um, one of my degrees is in educational leadership. And one of the books we read uh, talked about the definition of leadership. The authors of the book, it's, uh, the authors were Blackaby and Blackaby. Um, and in that book, they talked about how there are over a thousand definitions they found of leadership. Meaning that if you ask a thousand people to find leadership, you might get a thousand different answers. But when you, when you have something like that, it's like art. How do you define what art is? It's abstract. So is leadership. Leadership is abstract. Uh, but you know it when you see it. And so like if I said describe leadership, if I said give me one word that you associate with leadership and I ask a thousand people, you get a thousand words and some of them will start to overlap you know, or have similar meanings. And a good definition that I've seen on what is management versus leadership is that managers focus on getting things done. You know, as a manager, I've been a manager before, this is what managers do. They've got a list of things to do, and they just go through the day and make sure that list is getting done, right? That's what managers do. They, they, they manage the list, they manage the people, they make sure things are getting done. Leaders actually question, are we doing the right thing? Is this what we need to be doing in order to take care of our customer, to take care of our employees, to take care of our community, to take care of the environment? Uh, all these bigger questions. And if they ask those questions, say, are we doing the right thing or the right things? They can say, well, if it's not working as well as we think, should we can change, we can adapt, we can grow. And that's what leaders focus on. Like, I'm sure every one of you have been in a situation where you saw something, you said, there's got to be a better way to do this. You know, like, it could be something simple. Um, I told you I work part-time with an organization called Society St. Andrew. We collect, you know, produce, crops, and donate them to people in need. Well, every month that I've worked with those guys, um, I've worked for almost four years now, you have to turn in what's called a gleaning report. And that report, you basically say, I've uh, we got 1,000 pounds of this, this is where we got it, and this is who it's going to. And it's an individual Excel document, and there's several data points you've got to input, probably 20 or 30 different entries. Well, I said to myself years ago, we need to do this, but do it in a, like a Google form, where I could just go to a web link and fill it out and hit submit, and it'll go into one Excel document at the end of the month that I could print out or turn into a PDF and send it to them. That way there's not 17 different documents that our administrators getting because if there's six or eight of me across the state doing similar things and we each get 10 or 20, well, she could have, you know, 100 to 150 different documents that they've got to go through and open and check the information and then close it and combine it and it's just a headache. So I said, I took a leadership position. I said, I'm just going to go ahead and make the form. I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm going to go ahead and create the form, start doing it this way, tell my assistant, you know, or tell the administrator this is what we're doing, and see how it works. I said, we'll just test it with me first. Well, it looks like it might switch, and they're going to probably going to roll it out to the whole region and then the whole organization. Eventually, everybody will be using a Google form to do this. And it's a small thing, but it needed to happen. It was a better way. 
And so that's what leaders do. They see opportunities and they seek them out. Even That's just a small example, but it, it works. It fits. And then decisional, those roles are entrepreneur, disturbance handler, resource allocator, and negotiator. Um, yeah, and that's not all-inclusive. This doesn't encompass all the different hats we talked about the managers wear. But um, the thing I'll talk about is entrepreneur real quick. Uh, somebody that's a risk taker, willing to risk time, talent, energy, resources uh, in order to make something happen. And so that entrepreneur is a, uh, you've got to have an entrepreneurial spirit in order to be successful at business. You just do. Somebody that's willing to look at a risk and say, okay, we need to spend $30,000 in order to get this business going, I've got $32,000 in the bank, so am I willing to put my whole bankroll on the line to make this thing happen? And if, you, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, that's something that, you, that you're able to do. I know in agriculture, there's major expenses that come up, right? And I, uh, people that are in agriculture are major risk takers, right? I mean, that's something that, but there's also calculated and managed risk that goes into it too, because you know that the risk of not doing something, you're missing out on opportunities. So there's risk present everywhere, whether you, like if you say, I put that $30,000 up and it could turn into $300,000 in revenue or, or profit at some point, uh, you know, if I don't risk that money, then it's never gonna materialize. So opportunity costs are is around us all the time. These are things that you didn't take advantage of that you missed out on. Right, so keep that in mind as well. So any questions on any of this so far? All right, we're gonna move forward a little bit. So managerial responsibilities, an important question often raised about managers is, what responsibilities do managers have in organizations? According to our definition, managers are involved in planning, organizing, directing, and controlling. I've seen this um, manifest a couple different ways over the years. I've seen it planning, organizing, leading, and controlling. Um, and just, you know, different scrambles of those four words, but the, the gist is the same. Planning, organizing, directing, controlling. Managers have described their responsibilities that can be aggregated into nine major types of activities. These include long-range planning. Managers occupying executive positions are frequently involved in strategic planning and developments. When we walk into a Walmart, uh, the things that are on the shelf and the seasonality of the store is not by accident. Oftentimes, that merchandise has been pre-planned and purchased 12, 24 months in advance. So when they've got Halloween candy out now, that stuff was planned months and years ago that that was going to be there. Um, and when the Christmas shop is set up, I always like the Christmas stuff, you know. But Black Friday events, that event was planned, you know, since last year. You know, they were planning for this year what type of merchandise they were going to feature, what type of merchandise they were going to roll out. Uh, and as it gets closer and closer to that date, they refine that plan. Um, so long-range planning is a major part of uh, what managers do. Going back to the agriculture thing, uh, I bet your dad lays out the entire year, right? I mean, they, they've got a calendar that says this is what crop's going to go here, when, when it's going to be harvested. They know the date exactly pretty much, right? Within, and there's probably a little bit of wiggle room, but for the most part, you know exactly what's going to come up and when, right? Gotcha. And you got to have it, right? I mean, if you don't, I mean, you don't know your labor is going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and it's just not going to work. And when, and when you know, when you harvest it, you know exactly where that product's going to go. 
You've already communicated with those individuals that's going to bite off of you. All that's planned ahead. They know. Are you already planning for next year, 2022? You already got that kind of worked out too, right? How many years ahead do you guys work? Two to three. And do you rotate crops based on the soil needs and stuff like that? So, Our rotation is like we'll plant uh, corn, and then behind the corn it'll be wheat or oats. Right. Then it'll be uh, soybeans behind <coughs> wheat. Right. And then we'll either plant cotton or corn again behind Is it because it's been determined that the soil needs that type of rotation in order to provide the nutrients or it's going to take nutrients that other things might not take and things like that. Yeah. So do you have somebody test your soil annually? Yes. Yeah. And do you have any type of compound created that will supplement your soil, uh, put more nitrogen in it or something like that or lime? We, uh, we get fertilizer. You're right. According to the soil sample. I got you. So the soil sample will tell you exactly what you need to supplement your soil. Got you. Got you. That's interesting, bud. So long-range planning, you know, in every type of business, every type of organization, even in households, like uh, you may not think it's applicable, but households have budgets, and you got to kind of be thinking like, right now this is a critical time of the year for my household because we've got birthdays in September, both girls' birthday. That's an expense. Um, it's not a major expense, but it's a you know it's an expense. Then we go to the Wayne County Fair. That's not a major expense, but it is an expense. So we think about that. And then we got, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up right behind that. So there is some logistical planning that goes in this stuff. And I actually start buying Christmas presents in June, July, you know, like just not a whole lot. But that way it kind of supplements myself. Then when I get to Christmas and the holidays, I've already got some things together. It makes it a little bit easier. When you got three kids, you kind of got to plan, you know, ahead and not do that. Uh, my wife might think I'm crazy, but it works out. So um, controlling is the second thing. Managers evaluate and take corrective action concerning the allocation and use of human financial and material resources. So there's a lot of, I guess, control that has to be exerted over these types of resources because if not, they can get away from you. If you allow employees, they'll do kind of minimal stuff throughout the week just so they can get the overtime, have to come in at the weekend. They want that overtime, that time and a half. So you can't let employees kind of dictate their schedule and how things are going to fall. Uh, when I was at Walmart management, we would actually have to send people home to avoid them going into overtime because we didn't want to have to pay time and a half because it's payroll is one of our biggest expenses. And so we wanted to uh, control that. That's, that's an example of that. Environmental scanning. Managers must continually watch for changes in the business environment and monitor business indicators such as returns on equity or investment, economic indicators, business cycles, and so forth. Yeah, um, like I said yesterday to my other class, I'm not going to talk about COVID a lot, but that was a major environmental scan moment. Every business was watching everybody else to see how are they responding. Are they going to pass out masks at the door, right? Are they going to require that patrons wear a mask to come into the door? Are they going to have sanitation stations set up? How are we going to respond to this environmental change, right? And so that's something that businesses have to do continually. Like, And I patronized several different businesses throughout this pandemic and some places would not let you walk in without a mask on. You, you don't mask, no, no go. Some places would provide you with a mask, but it was kind of your option to wear it. Um, so, you know, and some places didn't care at all, didn't say anything. So it's just, you know, kind of a catch all. Supervision, managers must continue to oversee the work of their subordinates. Um, I hate what I'm about to say, but employees 
have some relationship to children, meaning that you have to watch what they're doing. Because if you don't, if the manager just says, okay, go, you're hired, now go. If you just go back and sit in the office, you're the manager, they're always going to revert to the lowest bar that they can get away with. Like, have you, has everybody heard of a bell curve? It looks kind of like this. And there's a distribution on the bell curve. Uh, a few people are, are below par. A few people are above par. Most people are right here in the middle. Kind of a C average, right? That's the average. That's why they call it that. And so your greatest amount of people are going to be kind of gathered here in the middle. You've got a few underperformers. The problem with being an underperformer in a business organization is that people see you underperforming, right? If I'm not a good instructor, if I'm the worst instructor in this division, it's going to be known. You know, they're going to, well, this guy's not a good instructor. You know, he does things a little not good. And eventually I'm going to have a target on my back. And eventually somebody's going to say something to me and it could lead to me getting terminated or, or leaving or something like that. On the other hand, if I'm the best instructor, the best they got, um, the problem with that is, is that I'm actually work overworking or working more than I'm being compensated for, right? Because my, in my mind, it could be that everybody else is doing this, so why should I do anything more than that? And the example when I was at Walmart was on a given night when I was on night shift, I would have about 20 employees. And of that 20, just say no more than three or four would be outstanding, but the problem with being outstanding is that um, they worked harder than everybody else, and they resented the fact that, hey, I'm getting paid the same thing that everybody else is getting paid. Why should I kill myself for that? And so this is where that regression to the center happens is because the people who are not good performers, they don't want a target on their back. The people who are great performance don't want to kill themselves for a compensation they're not getting. There's no incentive for them to work harder. And so you see this pull towards the center. Uh, and so with supervision, this encourages people to either stay here or above. Because if you're constantly identifying the worst performer and calling them out for it, there's an incentive for them to either quit or improve, right? And if they don't improve, there's an incentive on management to write them up. Because if somebody doesn't hold that person accountable, Somebody's eventually going to hold you accountable. Why is this person performing poorly and you're not doing anything about it? So managers get in trouble for employee performance. So I want to make sure that if I'm a manager, my employees are working at least at what the minimum expectation is and they stay there and improve upon that. Uh, coordinating. Managers often must coordinate the work of others, both inside and uh, the work unit and out. Coordination can be difficult. You've got a lot of moving parts in a business. Like, you think about all the different aspects of just this college, what goes into it. Students have to apply through admissions. They've got to get their financial aid in order. They've got to connect with an advisor, get registered for classes. That's just three aspects. And then you've got other aspects that go even deeper. So coordination is a very important and complicated aspect of organizations and business. Uh, the last four, customer relations and marketing. Community relations, yeah, managers and leaders are expected to not only work inside the organization, but also be kind of remember those figurehead spokesperson people. Yeah, I mean, that just comes with the job. If you're a manager or leader of an organization, uh, new local news media, local organizations are going to want you to come speak or uh, represent that organization. Last two, internal consulting. 
uh, talking to individuals inside and giving them feedback, and then monitoring products and services. What, what do we have versus everybody else? And if everybody else is offering this, is there a reason, is there a demand for those products? Or are we needing to adjust our product mix? Because it's a continual, it's not just static, it's a continual adjustment that you have to make. Um, you've always got to ask yourself, where are missed opportunities, right? What are we, what are we missing that uh, we could be capitalizing on? So uh, I know I talked about McDonald's earlier. Does anybody like the McRib? I don't, but I know judgment if you do. I don't like the McRib because I found out what's in it, and like it just just doesn't jive, you know, jive with me. But I've eaten them in the past. Another reason I don't like it is they're just too messy, you know, like a lot of sauce on it, kind of messy. But a lot of people love the McRib, and McDonald's knows this, and they create artificial scarcity by taking it off the market sometimes, right? So if I want to make rib today, I can't get one. And if you really love the McRib and you want one, that's upsetting, right? I got I want to make rib, I can't get it, I'm upset. But eventually they'll put out a campaign, right? The McRib is back. Hooray, everybody, come get your McRib. And that draws some interest, for, especially for people that love the McRib. Same thing with Monopoly. Anybody played McDonald's Monopoly in the past? Yeah, never played it, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that is a tactic. That is goes back under that marketing, uh, customer relations and marketing. But it's also um, trying to offer different products and services. They're offering this incentive for you to come now to potentially win some money and prizes. So, all right, um, we're going to take a time out here for today. We're going to wrap up the chapter on Friday. Any questions on anything we talked about with relations to uh, planning and leading, organizing, controlling, any of that stuff? I mean, directing or, or anything in the management room. All right, guys, I appreciate your time and attention, and we'll wrap it up on Friday, okay? Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.